I want to thank our amazing sponsor today, the Academy Therapy Wisdom. If you're a therapist, counselor, social worker, or in any helping profession, this is for you because this is specifically designed to elevate your practice. The Academy Therapy Wisdom is more than just an educational platform. It's a vibrant community. They offer an expansive range of trauma training courses, workshops, and seminars led by some of the most esteemed experts in our field. We're talking about instructors like Janina Fisher, who brings a wealth of knowledge on trauma, Frank Anderson on trauma and spirituality, Deirdre Fay, who specializes in attachment theory, Darren Young, an expert in multicultural counseling, and Julian Taylor, who dives deep into neurobiology and memory reconsolidation. But what sets the Academy of Therapy Wisdom apart is its commitment to practical, real-world application. You're not just absorbing theories. You're learning from real-world scenarios and case studies that you can directly apply in your practice. Plus, they have a growing selection of self-care programs just for you. And because you're a valued listener to this podcast, the Academy of Therapy Wisdom is offering a free gift of two teaching dialogues between Dr. Frank Anderson and Dr. Janina Fisher. So go to therapywisdom.com slash trauma podcast. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Go to therapywisdom.com slash trauma podcast or click the link in the show notes to discover what the Academy of Therapy Wisdom has in store for you. The Center for Healing Trauma and Attachment, or CADA, founded by the visionary Doreen Hills, is dedicated to providing innovative and compassionate treatment for those seeking profound healing. CADA's mission is clear, to offer driven, passionate, and cutting-edge therapeutic approaches that not only heal trauma, but also address the needs of the soul. They believe that true healing goes beyond symptom management and is about restoring wholeness. So whether you're an individual seeking therapy, a provider, a therapist looking for training, or a member of the community in need of support, CADA offers quality and affordable trainings tailored to your unique needs. To learn more, visit chtainc.org. That's chtainc.org. All right, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. My mission is to help trauma therapists be their incredible selves, to be human, to be real, not just a clinician. I'm a big believer in who we are is more important than what we know. And this requires cultivating authenticity, genuineness, and vulnerability, and that requires intention. You can learn more about my courses and workshops by going to thetraumatherapistproject.com. That's thetraumatherapistproject.com. Let's get started. Okay. Five, four, three, two, and one. All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast. Very excited to have my guest today, Dr. Lori Lay Belhumer. Lori, welcome. Thank you. So great to be here. So Lori is a renowned leader in the field of mental health with over 30 years of experience serving children and their families. As a licensed psychologist and leader in the nonprofit sector addressing mental health and wellness for kids, youth, and their families, Dr. Lori has been a driving force behind the implementation of various evidence-based practices and strategies for buffering the impact of trauma and the effects of the toxic stress response, as well as building resilience. Dr. Lori was an early adopter of the Adverse Childhood Experiences or ACES framework in her local 
community, which she continues to use as a context for understanding and addressing mental health needs. She's been recognized as a subject matter expert and is frequently sought out for speaking engagements and training on the topics of building resilience, ACEs, and trauma-informed care, as well as finding your purpose. Today, we're going to be talking about her book, Mastering Resilience, Transforming into Your Purpose. Lori, welcome. Mm, again, so great to be here. What an honor and privilege to be with you again. Appreciate that. Yeah. So for those uh, who aren't familiar, well, before we start off here, where are you from originally and where are you currently? Well, there's two, I would say, because I was originally born in the Midwest in Indiana, near Indianapolis. And then I grew up in San Diego, California, and now uh, I'm in Orange County, California. Okay. so. Really interesting uh, bio. Let's move right into this. How did you get into this field? That is that's a great question. I'm often asked. So, what I what I know is that really early on, I was I kind of knew that I wanted to take care of people. I was you know I was a babysitter, like all those things. I just was always like a nurturer, and people listened to me. And I thought I was going to be a nurse or a teacher, which is what women back then had the choices of. And so, you know, I went away to college thinking I was going to be a nurse, bombed in science classes, completely <laughs> bombed. Like, like I, I went from honor roll to like academic probation and, you know, in an instant. And so I, um, so one of this really well-meaning who happened to be the head of the psychology department and the assistant dean at the college said, maybe you could consider psychology. You're really good at that. <laughs> so that was really how the, the academic, uh, you know, to become a psychologist came about. And I knew as, you know, immediately when I uh, changed my major to psych, it was like, I'm getting a PhD. Um, and also the other trajectory was really because, um, you know, we're talking about childhood adversity, things of that nature, adverse childhood experiences, ACEs. And I didn't call them that. We didn't call them that back then. It mm -hmm. was child abuse. And so there was a lot of, you know, chaos in my family growing up. And I, I, once I went into psychology, I realized I wanted to heal myself. And also I wanted to help other children who experience similar, you know, mm -hmm. backgrounds uh, when they were younger. First of all, I just want to say that I really identify with your background because um, when I first started my uh, path, I, I wanted to become a physician and I bombed. Oh. The science. I mean, like traumatically <laughs> yes. so. I'm did. I'm curious, just personally, how did that impact you? Like self esteem wise, when you like when you you said you used the word bombed. I did. I how, really did. And did yeah. that impact you at all, or you're like screw it? it I'm moving it on. No, it completely impacted me, and I didn't really get it right away. So I'll tell you again. It was like I I was on the honor roll. I was used accustomed to getting very 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 good grades in high school, and then went to college. And the first semester, I got to tell you, the first pretest I got was a big fat F. Like I'd never gotten an F in my life. And I was like, this can't be, you know, <laughs> it was just kind of, it was so 
there was so much cognitive dissonance around it. I didn't know that's what it was called back then, but it was just like, this, this doesn't seem real. And then when the grade card came and I knew I was struggling in microbiology and organic chemistry and those things that you need to take to become, you know, but, you know, I remember really crying a lot in that person, getting that letter that said academic probation. I was just like, what am I going to do? You know, and so what I did was I re-enrolled in the science classes. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to try again. And about halfway through was when I realized this, you know, um, I really don't like science. I don't know why I chose this profession. It's not, you know, what I'm uniquely designed for. I I do like the sciences, brain science and things like that, but I didn't like microbiology and organic chemistry. So, mm -hmm. but it did, it was, it was really, uh, it was more than humbling. It was devastating, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, I can completely relate to that. And um, we could probably talk about that on a different episode. <laughs> But, um, you know, when, when the topic of kids comes up, mm -hmm. I mean, my heart just opens and melts simultaneously. <laughs> what was it about working with kids or what is it about working with kids that resonates with you? Mm. Well, if I can go into story again, really quickly. So after my undergrad, I went back to... San Diego, and I worked in a locked psychiatric facility for youth. And I remember at that time, I was about, you know, 20, 22 years old at the time. And some of these uh, youth were 17. And I'm like, there's just this amount, you know, there's very little age difference here. And I did what they're doing. You know, I just either didn't get caught or didn't have parents with means or, you know, whatever. But it was just kind of like there's no difference. Uh, you know, yes, there were a couple at a, you know, hospitalized at a time that were really had really severe psychiatric conditions. Uh, and mostly the others were like runaways and sadness, anxiety, things like that. So so I think in there it was like. I'm not much different than, than that. And so, and, you know, I have a college degree and just like looking at the difference, but it was mm -hmm. like, I want to help. I want to help. I've been through some of the same experiences and this is what I'm driven to do. So um, not all, but most of my experience, you know, in the process of becoming a psychologist uh, was with youth. Mm -hmm. So how did things unfold for you? Well, uh, okay. So let me, okay. So how they unfolded was there were like steps along the way. So first was this changing the major. Then there was youth psychiatric. I came back into graduate school, um, started working on an inpatient psych unit that was adults and medically uh, um, what is it called? Like a dual diagnosis with medical. I had a, mm -hmm. I also became a certified nurse's aide in high school. So I used that experience and uh, was on the med psych floor. And, and so again, it was, I was, you know, as, as a student, I was a mainly a listener, 
You know, I wasn't trained as a counselor. My title was psych tech. Uh, but there was that just knowing that that people were helped, you know, mm-hmm. that there was something that the interactions really, and, and I think from like, when I think back on it and think about who I am now, it's just like total acceptance, just total love, you know, for, uh, for people and just wanting to pour out acceptance and just knowing that a lot of the time when, you know, some of the precursors or precipitating events that got them where they were was childhood trauma. They were talking about those things. And so, so there was that. And then because I was, uh, I went into counseling psychology or into even clinical psychology through the school of education at UCLA. And so I became, once I got my master's, I became a, um, an educational, uh, consultant. And so even in that role, I was working with kids and I taught them, I didn't like, I wasn't like teaching them the subjects. I was teaching them study skills. I was teaching Mm -hmm. them, you know, how to be confident, how to study better, how to get, you know, better grades. And it was also in that place that I saw these kids just shine and go from D's to A's and just the looking at like the confidence that was created as a result of that. And, um, and also at the same time, I was teaching at the same place where I went to undergrad. And so I was teaching developmental psychology and abnormal psychology and general psychology and communications. And it was also then that really became like, like I just absorb this content and like how to, you know, how to transform it into Mm. something that is, you know, meaningful and helpful uh, for the people that I'm on the planet to serve really. And so that's how it, and then I took an internship at a nonprofit. I was children and youth, um, you know, focused. And I would say the rest is history because really there was a trajectory first in community mental health. And I went into private practice, had a thriving private practice, adolescents, mostly adolescents, girls. And then I just, you know, I said, my heart's in community. And so I went back into community mental health and, um, you know, eventually, you know, entered into a leadership position. And in that role, working with children and youth, you know, the ripple effect and the, you know, like as a, as a clinician, maybe 25, 30 cases as a program director, maybe four, five, 600. And, you know, in the high leadership, you know, it could be 35,000, you know, <laughs> in a year. So, so it's, it's really, it's that it's like wanting to break the cycle. That was mm-hmm. like, I would say, you know, um, breaking the cycle so that, you know, one of the things I said in one of my, um, I did a little film about my own story a while back. And I said, I don't want that 17 year old girl to be 57 before she finally gets it, that Mm -hmm. she is loved, you know, Mm -hmm. that she is worthy, that she is valued. And, and I just generalized that to, you know, all children now. So first of all, you know, it, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about when you started uh, studying psychology and all those, you could see how 
that was making sense in contrast to the the other sciences that weren't. Right. And it seems like you you know you found your home there. Mm-hmm. Laurie, what is it do you feel about you or your experience that's allowed you mm-hmm. and even inspired you to do this work? Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. No more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments. Cerebral brings it all to you whenever and where ever you need it. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving you, the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners, 15% off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code the Trauma Therapist. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L.com slash podcast. And don't forget to use the code the Trauma Therapist to get 15% off your first month. Make 2024 your best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. Going Inside is a new podcast on a mission to help you heal from trauma and connect with your authentic self. Hosted by licensed trauma therapist John Clark, this show explores trauma healing through the lens of internal family systems therapy with detours into EMDR, somatic experiencing, and much more. Tune in for enlightening guest expert interviews, immersive solo deep dives, real therapy sessions, and soothing guided meditations. Head on over to johnclarktherapy.com slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. Once again, head on over to johnclarktherapy.com forward slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. about me um what i believe is that the adversity that i experienced as a child and even you know adversity later on in life that um that for whatever reason by god's grace whatever reason I was able to look at it and say, that can't be in vain. Mm -hmm. There must be some good purpose that can be created out of that travesty. And I think that's what it was. It, you know, that and even, uh, I remember I was telling somebody this the other day. I remember even in high school, I would say, if I made a mistake today, I would say, I'm going to be a better person tomorrow. I'm striving to always be better. Or, um, you know, if I'm today and I remember something yesterday, today is going to be, I'm going to be a better person than I was yesterday. And I really have lived by that motto. Mm -hmm. Of course, there have been seasons where I'm not thinking about that. I might be, you know, having my little pity party or something, you know, in the past. It's those are, those are um, smaller and shorter. Uh, but I think that I think the combination of of those two things, I, you know, I um, 
I didn't call it abuse back then. Other people may have, you know, I, another story, I, I was babysitting. I was babysitting four children. I was 13. They were 11, nine, seven, and five, you know, so there's five of us young, young people. And, um, and so I went to the mom and I said, what is child abuse? Is this, you know, I'm 13, 14 years old, those two summers. And she said, well, it's really, it's not spanking. It's really when somebody picks up something inanimate, like a Noxema jar and just like uncontrollably, you know, uh, whales on a child. And so I was like, oh, then what I'm experiencing mm. must not be child abuse. And even though bruises were, you know, even there was all kinds of things going on, I just didn't experience it that way. And so I think my defense mechanisms that I, you know, sort of developed over time, I was able to compartmentalize them. And now I look at it as like I was able to dissociate from those things so that I could find meaning in my life. Because I think if I'd not been able to do that, I, I most certainly would have gone down a different path. So I want to segue into the book. Um, and I want to do that by asking you, I mean, the, 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 you know, you mentioned um, an example of an adolescent girl and um, when, when you, I feel there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings culturally we have about kids and adolescents in mm -hmm. particular and about their resilience mm -hmm. But in in your experience in working with kids who've experienced trauma of various kinds, first of all, when you meet them, how how do you meet them and and begin to get to know them and and quote unquote work with them? Mm -hmm. um, great question. So the the key is to, as we all know, as therapists, is sort of to meet them where they are. And without knowing the science, when I first started as a psychologist and working with children, you know, I didn't know about adverse childhood experiences and the ACEs science and the brain science of all of that. I now look at every kind of trauma through that lens of ACEs and, and other adversities that, you know, there's tons of data around and even, you know, the most recent pandemic anyway. So, you know, in, in meeting, it's really like, what we know is that a caring, dependable adult who believes in a child is the very thing that can make a difference. So it was really, it really was that they could come into the office. It was a safe place. They could talk about anything. There was obviously developing rapport. Uh, and it was at that time, it was really connecting and just, really honoring their strengths. And even today, that's what it would be. It's like really looking at the strengths, you know, that we can call them superpowers or, you know, that those, those things that make their heart sing, what do they love? What are they good at? What are their, um, you know, beliefs? What are, you know, and so it's really just to get them to be able to stand firm in their uniqueness that is valued and wanted and honored and all of that. So that when these other things come, they're firm in their, uh, you know, who they are uniquely. And so if they hear lies, regardless of who's telling them, they can know their value 
and be less impacted by that. So even, you know, in my early years and to this day, that's really the focus is like, who am I? What's my knowing my intrinsic value, knowing that, you know, I'm valued just because I exist. Mm -hmm. And then there's all of these other things layered on top of it that are just really amazing and wonderful. That makes me mean, makes you, you, if I'm talking to um, a young person. When you uh, first started, did you come from that perspective? I think, yes, I think it was always strength. You know, what are, what is this person's strength? And that would, I, that's what I would, you know, in speaking with the parents, uh, you know, rather than say that, you know, so-and-so said this in the session is really, these are the three, the strengths that are coming out, you know, let's focus on finding the good. Let's focus on finding the good and, you know, yeah, if you can, like kind of ignore long, as long as you're safe, you know, ignore some of those other things, but really find the things that be very specific, mm. not good job, you know, daughter, good job, son. It's really, I really appreciate the way that you took initiative and put the dishes away or, you know, whatever, whatever mm. it is to just notice the good in them. So that was definitely like right from the beginning. So let's kind of segue here to the book, um, Mastering Resilience. Why did you write this and who is it for? Uh, well, I wrote it because, okay, uh, I had started to do some um, training on adverse childhood experiences. And and so I was out training on that and I would train, you know, large groups of people. And sometimes it would be teachers or school uh, administrators. And often it would be counselors or counselors in training or psychologists, psychologists, counsel college counselors. And we were doing the uh, ACEs screening in that venue. And so we would put it up on the board, people in, anonymously. We also had people in the room who were, you know, available in case someone needed to talk to someone, you know, based on taking the screening and it became apparent and we kind of knew intuitively, but it became apparent with data that the very people who are in our profession, the people who gravitate to youth serving professions are the very ones that experienced adversity in childhood. And so I was like, here we are, and some have not healed and and that that in order to break the cycles the youth in our care the youth that depend on us even if we're a parent the youth that depend on us are only going to get as far as we have mm -hmm. on our healing journey and so um what I did is, you know, in thinking about just kind of what is the content is I reversed engineered this 30 years of experience that I've had in the education sector in you know, counseling in the nonprofit, all of that 30 years of experience. And I said to myself, okay, we're talking about building resilience. We're talking about mastering resilience. We're talking about like, that's the thing that kind of sets people apart for those who really are successful. And you know, that term has, you know, lots of different meanings for different people, but I'm, you know, mean it generally. And um, what's the difference between that group of people and those that 
aren't, you know, that maybe have, you know, alcohol misuse, drug misuse, you know, other kinds of things. What's, what's the, what's the difference and looking at resilience. And then it's like, okay, what are the key elements of resilience? You know, that my clients and people that I've interacted, you know, counselors that I've trained over the years. So it's written to that person. It's actually Mm -hmm. written to a teacher or, you know, a counselor or somebody who is in the youth serving, um, you know, field and it's really a recipe. It's a recipe based on these sort of research-based ingredients that result in mastering resilience. So it's a recipe. It's got eight specific ingredients. It's really easy to follow. There's a workbook coming out that goes oh, wow. along with the book very soon coming out. It's with the publisher. And so it's a process. And it's something where it, it's based on mindset shifts. And so it's a, it's for us, it's for us to break cycles. And the interesting thing, I just want to, you know, throw this out there. The interesting thing it's, you know, it, it is a bestseller. It's award-winning all of those things in the, in the less than three months that it's been out. Wow. The biggest feedback that I've received, the most positive feedback, the most, when people are saying that transformed my life are people outside of the therapy outside of youth serving it's attorneys and CEOs and med students and, you know, all of these, uh, you know, professions and businesses that it wasn't necessarily intended for, but it, mm-hmm. it really is like all of us can benefit from a process of becoming super resilient. Okay. Define resilience. So resilience is really the, you know, if we use the APA, the American psychological term, it's really the ability to adapt, you know, it's not bounce back like a, a ball, Bruce, Bruce Perry, Dr. Bruce Perry, um, and Oprah in their what happened to you book, um, talks about like, it's like a coat hanger, you know, so it's like, it's never going to be back to its original form. Mm -hmm. But we can, and, and what I think it is, is what I add to it is that it's the strength. It's the thing that makes it stronger, you know? And like, sometimes we say when things get broken, or even just, if I look at it, even the, um, the King mm-hmm. bowl on the front, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, a symbol. It's that in that brokenness, we can fill in that brokenness and be stronger, be more beautiful, be more worthy. And that's how I define the, product of resilience and resilience is the ability to adapt to those things and also to um in the recipe to really reframe them in a way that says i am who i am because of those things i'm not broken i'm not you know and so i guess that's my long-winded answer of what resilience is okay so with the understanding that uh you know we're not going to go through the the entirety of the book here give us uh, 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 some insight into what is required to uh, develop or cultivate that type of resilience. Mm-hmm. Well, this, the tagline of the book is uh, transforming into your purpose. So one of the things really is the person reading the book doesn't have to know what their purpose is right off the bat. Uh, there is an element of really having a direction, a destination, you know, like, in the future, tomorrow or 10 years from now, you know, 
what is it that you want to be? What do you, what do you want? What do you want for yourself? And Mm -hmm. who do you get to be in order to create that for yourself? So that I call it the big why, you know, other people talk about the why, the vision and, you know, all of that, but it's really that sense of, you know, what's the direction so we can create a roadmap to get there. And then it's also about making the commitment to ourselves to actually take action to get there because, you know, sometimes we're paralyzed by, you know, our fears and our thoughts and, you know, all of that. Traumas. (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. And what we tell ourselves as a result of those traumas, you know, and so it's really also identifying those very things, identifying the things that we're telling ourselves about ourselves, really paying attention to those things, and then realizing, making the connection between what we're telling ourselves and how we're feeling and how we're behaving and really, you know, shifting the possibility of making mindset shifts Mm -hmm. uh, that look at, again, what's the positive that came out of it. It's not denying that, horrible abusive things happen not at that it's not forgiving and forgetting it's not that at all it's both and it's mm-hmm. like horrible things happened maybe the person never apologized like all those things and also i am who i am what is it about me and the qualities of who i've become as a result of those things and really getting grounded on that value. So getting grounded on the value, making a commitment to move forward, just defining, you know, who you get to be, you know, in that, and then taking those actions. That's just the, you know, that's just the first few steps. Well, those are major steps. And I think oftentimes those can be uh, giant steps for people who've been numbed yes. um, and and debilitated by mm-hmm. trauma. Uh, what? I can't even begin to think about what my purpose is or where mm-hmm. I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say to someone who maybe responds like that? What do you, what do you well, mean? Okay. okay. So, and that's true. Like a lot of people don't, but here's the first thing is I want to make sure that that the reader or, you know, the person that's talking to me about it, this is not a substitute for trauma-informed therapy. It's not at all. In fact, if someone hasn't had some sort of therapy, it's probably not, you know, not the right time to read the book or go through the exercises because there are, you know, um, different things like EMDR and, you know, things that can be used that are very effective uh, to rewire the brain, you know, more rapidly. And of course there's, you know, cognitive behavior therapy, TFCBT, you know, all of the, the trauma informed therapies. And I would say if someone hasn't done something specifically to, um, if they're still in that very, very, very numb place and they haven't sort of come out of it, then like, wait, you know, Sure, sure, sure. After. And so, and so for the other one is like what I say to the person who says, I don't have a purpose. Well, the point is, you don't need to know your purpose. What we're asking you is if you can envision yourself in the future and money wasn't an option, you know, success was the only option, Mm. what would that look like? And it could be just, you know, for some, I get my GED, you know, it could be, um, you know, I'm gonna, 
enroll in graduate school and I'm going to get my master's degree in education or I'm going to become a therapist or I decided to be a psychologist. So it's it's just something more like what would you like, whatever, however you define success, mm-hmm. if success was the only option, what can you what can you uh, identify? And then there's some, you know, exercises around that. And so initially it's like going through each of, you know, the ingredients and the purpose comes later Mm. in the beginning. It's just the big why, like what's your inspiration, not your purpose, what's your inspiration. It sounds very hopeful. It sounds Mm. very positive. Um, I like what you're saying about, uh, focusing on uh, the positive well not ignoring what happened right but also focusing on the positive and i think that a lot of times gets lost mm. in the discussion when we're talking about yes. trauma um mm-hmm. laurie i love talking to you you have such a great presence and this book just is amazing mastering resilience transforming into your purpose um where can people get it uh, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I just found out today it's on walmart.com, but it's mostly on Amazon is where I point people, uh, you know, to the book. Yes. Okay. We'll have it linked up here at the show notes page. Um, love to have you back. Mm-hmm. You're just uh, a delight to speak with. Thank you so um, much. You're welcome. And what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? Well, the easiest way is to go to my website, which is the first part of my book, which is masteringresilience.com. Okay. And so there's all kinds of information. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Okay. And um, in addition to the book, uh, what are the ways are you working with people and or speaking? What's going Mm. on? Well, um, Yes, I'm doing speaking and uh, some unpaid and paid. I'm, you know, people are buying the book and giving to the audience. So uh, there's, there's, I have an opportunity to do that. I mean, on the website, there's an opportunity to sort of inquire about that. And uh, I'm doing book signings. The next one is the end of this month in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, and um, I'll be in Chicago and and some other places oh. on behalf of the book. Those will be posted on the website also if I'm going to be in uh, different cities. And as I said, I'm working on the workbook. It's in the publisher uh, right now. And then there's another book that's in the making right now. It's the third book for this year. And it it is for those people that have have demonstrated and and incorporated these particular ingredients in whatever order to be super resilient. So the working title is becoming super resilient. And so it's a series of, you know, 24 success stories of Mm. people in every sector, you know, many sectors, uh, many businesses, women, you know, diversity and diversified in the in terms of their businesses and what they do and diversified in terms of the population that has are becoming super resilient so looking forward to that later on in the year as well that's so inspiring uh great having you on here and thank you so much you're welcome yes thank you and i agree with you you're you know you're just your presence and everything is just so inviting and i just really appreciate being here and i would look forward to coming back Awesome. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Yes. All right. Be well. Be well. You too.
Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit I'm at the nail salon. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. 